It's just a creepy movie. It definitely creeps you out for sure. Somebody has to be perfect, so it might as well be. <laughs> Talk about deja vu. You live to tell the tale. You gotta think like a werewolf. It's the Slashers and Screamers Podcast. It's the Slashers and Screamers Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Billy Graves. You can find us on Twitter at Slasher Sports, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Slasher Sports Media, on SlasherSports.com. We are bringing you the best of sports and entertainment with shows just like this one, Slashers and Screamers Podcast. Of course, we also have the likes of Christian Rao with a Rao Report, Julian Gilarte with Out in the Field, and me with the hit city podcast but today we want to thank you very much for joining us as we review the 2001 supernatural horror 13 ghosts so let me go ahead and get my co-host in here first of all final girl casey welcome hello billy how are you have i told you this is one of my favorite movies you've mentioned it you've mentioned it and you've mentioned that uh there may be an actor or two that you are quite fond of in this film. Fond is the biggest understatement you've ever said, but we'll get into that. We will once we get our third co-host in here by the name of the Godfather of Droll James. JB, what say ye? What about it, Bill? Hey, same old same. You sound clear, mm-hmm. man. What's going on over there? Are you out in the you out, you're recording from the woods or something? I'm in my new uh, production booth, Bill. Not a production booth. What are you producing in there? Bacon? All kinds of content. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> exp- explain yourself, James. Well, I usually do the uh, podcast in the bedroom. The toilet, yes. And now I've moved to the uh, living room. Oh, okay, where there are fewer people, few- less traffic. <laughs> Less traffic in the living room, Bill. There's less traffic in the living room. Okay, I was being sarcastic. There's less traffic. That's good, though. That's good. Um, Now all we'll hear is, you know, the dog fights that you got set up in your living room. But that's all right. We could use the, the audio because this week we are one person light. And, um... Also been watching, uh... Well, hang on, James. Hang on. You're, gonna, you're not going to like this news at all. You're not going to like it. Because your what best is it, friend... Your, your best friend, other than me... The Memphis Maniac Rick is uh, not with us this week. <laughs> Rowdy Rick boobs. <laughs> Rowdy Rick is, uh, he's off hunting. <laughs> he's out hunting Easter eggs at, at dusk. Um, oh, Bobcat Go We probably gave him in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Whoever that guy was, it was 10 foot taller than him. Well, it wasn't Bobcat Goldthwait, I can tell you that. Joe Bob Briggs, so Rick Joe is... Joe Bob a, Briggs, that's it. Uh, <laughs> fucking Rick, he's out like living his best life, going to uh, a horror and tattoo convention in uh, Nashville this past weekend. And, Rick <laughs> He's got a ton of tattoos, James. I was going to say, Rick's got a bunch of tattoos. Yeah, he's got sure. like... He's not, well, listen, he's scared of anything, but he's not scared of needles. He's, he, he's, he gets them painted on every time he sees y'all. Just like, <laughs> it's like a series I've been watching, Bill. What series it's you been watching? It's all henna tattoos. Stones Anarchy. 
<laughs> You've been watching Sons of Anarchy. I, yeah, I watched that. Uh, I get, not when it was new. I didn't watch it when it was new. Did you watch it, Casey? I have never seen Sons of Anarchy. Well, I'm sure if there, he'd be down on it. Oh, yeah, he would hate it. <laughs> it just Probably got too popular for him. <laughs> yeah, because like, he hates bicycles. He's going to just detest motorcycles. Rick's probably got a Sons of Anarchy tattoo on his back. <laughs> now he's going to have to have it removed because three <laughs> more people like it. <clears throat> so when did you start this, James? I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And it's just <laughs> no. not coming up? No, I think about like maybe a week and a half. Okay, well, that's that's all right because, I mean, it was a good show. It, it I, I caught up to it when I guess it was already over, so I didn't get to see it. You know, live on TV. I didn't have to wait a week in between episodes. Um, what I did get to experience, as did the rest of you, was how these hillbilly women around where we live just fell in love with what's his name, the the actor. What's his name, James? The one from the, the main guy, Ron Perlman. The other one. Oh, Char- Charlie Hunan. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Hunan, and. Uh, <laughs> That cannot be the way you say his name. That cannot be the way. It is. It's one hundred percent accurate. Um, <laughs> uh, Charlie Hunan of um, British and also comes from a hole in the South Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what Pacific Rim fame? So yeah, Ron Perlman. That's the show that I said it would be funny if. Um, no wait, this is not that one. But I did say that it would be funny if instead of Ron Perlman, they had accidentally sent the the casting letter to Rhea Perlman, and uh, she had to be <laughs> Hellboy. <laughs> you know, Ron Perlman is classically trained actor, Bill. I believe it. So is Rhea. What'd you say, Casey? Um, I said I would absolutely watch that feature. I would love Hellboy if Rhea Perlman was Hellboy. I mean, I already love Hellboy. I could only imagine what it would do for the rest of it. And what if she Hellboy had, you know... 2? Better? <laughs> I'll yeah. say it. Well, what if Sons of Anarchy had been, like, all these tough guys, and then, um, is it Kathy Seagal? Is, the, is that her name? Kathy Siegel? Katie? I think it's Katie. Katie, Katie, like I'm Lila, sorry. Or Leela from uh, Futurama, right? Yes, yes. So I think it's Katie. There's a guy at work. There's a guy yeah, that argues that Katie Seagal and Steven Seagal are brother and sister. <laughs> well, let him keep living that lie, James. I think there's an extra letter in Steven's name, and he's not as good a fighter. But. I Seagal and Seagull. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Seagull. Um, but what if Rhea Perlman was like the leader of this gang the whole time? That would be great. I think she could pull it off. She would pull it off. I would um, want her to wear the outfits that she wore in Matilda. Like where she looked <laughs> like the nanny. I would settle for what she was wearing on Cheers. <laughs> I, I would totally totally buy it. Well, James, how are you liking the show, though? I, it's You're not that far into it if you're only a week into it. You, you don't watch enough TV to get that far into it. Well, I've already seen it before. Oh, well, what? <laughs> I was watching it again, Bill. You make me so mad sometimes, James. Well, what have we done? Uh, Casey, You've um, do you want to throw any congratulations to your friends for their um, upcoming activities? Well, first I'd like to say congratulations to James, who is 40 these days. <sighs> Man, two days ago, our beloved godfather has... Jumped into the deep end, into the abyss, and hit his 40s. 
How do you feel, James? You feel any older? Yeah, I feel pretty rough, Bill. Yeah, you look it. These past two days have been tough on me. Oh man, you, Casey, you saw the um, you saw you saw the Facebook post I made for him. I did. It was very sweet. Was it not sweet? And then you, you did you see his response? Yeah, James said something kind in return, and Billy said, <laughs> "Blow it out your ass, James." <laughs> And the only two people that liked that comment were you and Rick. <laughs> I put a heart on that shit. You put like a heart on it. I think Rick might have put a, a laughing, like a crying laughing emoji or something. And then James, <laughs> we just resumed our uh, our instant message conversation like it never happened. But uh, <laughs> I felt I was pretty proud of it because I had it preloaded. Uh, <laughs> I actually typed in my comment before and copied and pasted it when he replied it was <laughs> it was wonderful it was so fast I, I felt like a i felt like leon the professional just accurate. oh my god what a movie oh it was great and you know if we ever delve into you know um maybe the more dramatic or action movies that's one of the ones we're gonna have to do agreed yeah but I will offer a swift congratulations yes. to my friends Miranda and Zach who are engaged. I attended her bachelorette function this weekend. And also, they're the two people that I watched 13 Ghosts with earlier this week. So it's really been a great week with them. I was there dressed as a bear. Well, um, most of the time. No? We would have noticed. Okay. Well, the top half of a bear. But anyway, guys, listen. This movie that we're reviewing this week is quite possibly my favorite supernatural film there ever was. Bold from Billy. <laughs> it's a short list. It's a very short list, but I do like the movie a lot. First of all, because you don't have your usual horror suspects. You know, you don't have like a, a long list of recurring people in, you know, former horror movies. First of all, I, well, shit, we may as well go ahead and, you know, look at uh, our cast of characters. Right? I mean, we, we don't have Rick, so let's talk about, in Rick's stead, who we've got in this film. First and foremost, Tony Shalhoub. What's, what's the first role you think of when you think of Tony Shalhoub? Outside Tony Schiavone. Thanks to Tony Schiavone. Well, that's probably What'd you say? What, Tony Schiavone. He's a, oh, a I don't pro. know what that is. It, listen, you're better for not knowing. He's a person, first of all. Not it. <laughs> 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 so Tony Giovanni is a pro wrestling announcer turned oh. turned baseball announcer turned pro wrestling announcer again after his damn near 20 year hiatus and James and I both went to see him and another legendary announcer Jim Ross in Nashville at Zany's one time and we got pictures and I looked stupid because I was wearing my little rascals hat and a denim jacket <sighs> but Tony Shalhoub what do you think of when you think of Tony Shalhoub what roles do you think of Hi, kids. I forgot about that one most people probably think of Monk Oh, not too. You know what I think of first? This. I think of At, this first. I would think you think of this first. And but I guess that, if Yeah, we're totally talking about movies that, probably Spike this. Kids. Do you guys remember a TV show called um I think it was called Wings? I've heard of this show, but I've never seen it. I think my mom likes this show. So maybe. Well, everybody liked it if they saw it, okay? First of all. And Tony Shalhoub, this is the first thing that I ever saw him in. Um, it was basically a TV show about a couple of brothers who are pilots. It had, um, Tom, is it Thomas Hayden Church, I think is his name? He plays like a mechanic. It is Thomas Hayden Church. So, um, there was another, there was a female lead. She was, 
like hot at the time, and I can't remember who that was. But tell was me, it Shalhoub... Crystal Bernard. Crystal Bernard. I don't know. I'm looking at the cast. <laughs> um, Crystal Bernard, Rebecca. Okay, Stuhl, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, th- <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> um, <laughs> totally different person. But Tony Shalhoub played. Um, like, uh, I don't even know what he did in the show, but that's the first place I saw him. And he was very funny in this, in, in this, uh, TV show, but are y'all talking about the, uh, uh, TV show with the planes, the TV show with the planes, thus called wings. Yeah. Is that what you're, is that what he was on? He was on that show. That's the first place I ever saw him. Wasn't he a taxi driver or something? He might've been a taxi driver from the, yeah, from the airport. <clears throat> yeah, good good call. But he was also in, and if we're going to stick to horror uh, genres, then uh, 1408, he had a role in that uh, John Cusack and Sam L. Jackson movie. Um, I haven't seen that movie in years. I should, though. Time. Well, it's available. I didn't remember on, him being in it, so. It's on one of those streaming services. Uh, it might be Netflix. might be new on Netflix, as a matter of fact. Hmm. Um, had a uh, maybe an episode or two in the TV show Monsters from the late 80s. Um, but he's relatively not someone you would think of as a horror actor. And then we've got Shannon <laughs> Elizabeth. I think we all probably cumulate all together uh-huh. in the same role when we talk about Shannon Elizabeth. Scary movie. Okay, never mind. Maybe, maybe we don't. Maybe not. James, when you think of What's Shannon that? Elizabeth, is there any specific role that you remember her from? American Pie. Thank you, Doctor. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is she the foreign exchange student? She's the foreign exchange student. Yeah. And that is an iconic role. Teenage Billy. Stupid. (laughs) Teenage Billy wore out his pause button. Okay. (laughs) But she's no stranger to, to horror flicks. She was in the '97 flick Jack Frost, which is kind of a. It's listed as a comedy horror, but there's, I think they actually meant for this to be scary. Um, and it just happened rain to be funny. <laughs> and it just happened to be really stupid. But yeah, Jack Frost and then You Belong to Me about is basically a stalker flick. She was in uh, a couple episodes of the new-ish Twilight Zone, the reboot of it. Back in the early 2000s, she was in the 2009 Night of the Demons, and of course, 13 Ghosts. I'm going to go ahead and give uh, give way to Casey on on this next one. I know you got a couple <coughs> things. Oh, Rooney! I know that you have a couple of things to say about our third build actor. I'd personally like to welcome you to the love of my life, Matthew mm. Lillard. Mm-mm-mm. Um, famous for movies like John Waters' Serial Mom, Packers, Stu from Scream, Steve-O in SLC Punk. He's in She's All That. I can't think of his name in that movie, but he's got that iconic dance sequence. And then he was Shaggy in Scooby-Doo and the sequel. In an animation, he replaced Casey Kasem in 2009 and has been in, like, all those Scooby-Doo movies. The man is iconic in horror and otherwise. And he seems like a very interesting person. Like in interviews, he's so personable. He was in the show Good Girls, which I also enjoyed. And also he's into Dungeons and Dragons, which is such a fun activity. I just think we would be really good friends. I've got some questions for that man. (laughs) What would your first question be? (laughs) How dare you? I don't know how to talk to (laughs) you. How dare you? (laughs) 
I would like to ask him a question about uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I, I thought you would go there. <laughs> is it the question I think it is? What's the question? Do you I like dragons? You, I don't think James <laughs> has any loaded questions. I, I think he's going to be like uh, Chris Farley on SNL. He's like, so you play Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I do. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to play a game with you. <laughs> I would love to play Dungeons and Dragons with him. I think that would be so fun. And also, in like every movie that I'm talking about that he's in, he has very iconic looks. He looks the same in every movie he's in. That's not true. And he flops around like a fish. His acting is flopping around. <laughs> no. Billy, support me in my time of need immediately. Okay. Here's the thing, James, to the naked eye, to simpletons like you and me, when it comes to style, because you and I are blue jeans, t-shirts kind of guys, okay? Casey, on the other hand, she was born for the red carpet. I don't know if that's true. Well, it might but not be But I can true. identify a perfect outfit when I see one, and Matthew Lillard has rocked several. Give me one. In this and, and give, movie, give me the small with details. the glasses and the suit and the, like, electrician thing over the suit. Only like Memorable. the flashy guy. Only like the flashy guy and she's all that or something. Yes, that's him. <laughs> Wasn't he like the uh, original, what is it called? Like YouTuber on she's all that? Kind of. Like the Yeah. Yeah. And an SLC Punk, the hair... In Serial Mom, the beret and the sunglasses. Lots of looks in Serial Mom, actually. Like all the court scenes, lots and lots of looks. I'm just saying, I think... You're not wrong. I just love him. You know, everybody's got that one actor that they think, you know what, if I just had like 15 minutes, we might be the best of friends. And yeah, if I could convince this man to get coffee with me, we would fall in love. Oh, okay. So you, you took it from the best of friends to falling in love so now you can't be I'm, friends and also lovers i'm questioning yeah. now i'm questioning now no i've hated all of my former lovers mm, okay so, um james uh, tell me who who's the who's the one actor you think that you would be like best friends with and why mm. is he going on my shit list <laughs> probably me and uh keanu reeves you think you'd get he seems like keanu? a genuinely nice guy I think me and him would be best of boods. Just don't go okay. on a bus together. Me, him, and uh, me, him, get... and Brendan Fraser would be the new Rat Pack, Bill. Dang. <laughs> I would watch those movies. I would, too. Like, would you, who would you take the place of? Dean Martin? Yeah. Volare. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm down with that, James. And I, you know, first of all, um, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> So me, Rick, and Keanu Reeves. You, okay, so you've already replaced you've already replaced Brendan Fraser with Rick. Yeah, Brent, Rick is better than Brendan Fraser now. Okay. <laughs> he knows Joe Bob Briggs, so he must be better. I guess uh, I'll just sit over here with Joe Piscopo and <laughs> watch TV. <laughs> You and Tom Sizemore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and Tom Sizemore and Joe Piscopo. So oh, moving shit. on, we've also got Ambeth Davids, who not necessarily a stranger to horror flicks, but it had been a while. Um, she was in the 89 flick Mutator. 
as well as James, one of your personal favorites, Army of Darkness. Yeah. And then Speaking of Rhea Perlman. Yes, yes, yes. They're in a feature film together. Rhea Perlman and Emmeth Davids? Which one? Yep. Matilda. Oh, they were in the, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't Because Emma Davis is Miss Honey. Well, she's also in this uh, this new Shyamalan flick, newish, twenty twenty one, old. Beach. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's about well, a beach. Yeah, Never the mind. one there, the one where they're on the beach, and it's it's not necessarily. I mean, it's under horror, but it's more of a you know suspenseful kind of thing. I'm sure it could end up being horrific, like some of his flicks, um, signs. It spends 90% of the movie being a, a suspenseful flick and then all of a sudden just downright horrific. Um, but yeah, she's few and far between, but really good ones. Like those four that are under the horror genre are all four bangers. Mutator, Army of Darkness, 13 Ghosts, and Old. And then <laughs> this is one, guys, that kind of messed me up in the head. Okay, I don't know if you saw my tweet earlier, Casey, but... As I was I prepping for this, you didn't, I'm glad you didn't because I can talk about it now. But as I was prepping for this flick, I saw, you know, all the actors and I wanted to get a little background on them. I wanted to kind of filter out everything except horror flicks that they were in because that's what people were here for. And I'm looking at F. Murray Abraham. You'll remember him from Amadeus, um, Moon Knight most recently. But when I saw <clears throat> that he was in Moon Knight, I thought to myself, wait a minute. I thought this guy died. And I started just racking my brain trying to remember who I have him mistaken for. I thought maybe it was the dad from Jumanji. And no, it wasn't the dad from Jumanji either because his name is like Jonathan Nash or something. Robin Williams? Jo Jonathan Hyde. No, um, the dad. He was the son. Um, Jonathan Hyde is um, the dad from that. But needless to say, this guy who, who he was in Mimic, uh, he was in Blood Monkey, the lead role, which should have been my... You know, first indication that he was not dead in 2007. I mean, in... it's 2022. That's plenty of time to die. I thought this guy was, like, dead before that, though. Oh, and... you thought he's been long dead. Yeah. And, well, like, I thought after 13 Ghosts, it wasn't much longer. <clears throat> and I don't know why that happened, but I had myself a Mandela effect. And I still, at the time of this recording, I do not know the actor who passed away that I thought he was. And I am pretty Sammy, sure Sammy Kershaw. I definitely not Sammy Kershaw, but this guy does navigate this film Cadillac style and he does it so well. He makes a very good villain. He does not necessarily play a villain in Amadeus, but that's the film that I knew him from and I thought he was dead. So Mr. F. Murray Abraham, I'm glad you're alive. Oh, you think it's that uh, Miguel, what's his name, played in uh, Scarface. Miguel, I could not tell you what he's talking about. And Bill, <laughs> was his name Miguel in Scarface? No. Oh, his, name, his real name is Miguel. I think so. It's probably any other Spanish name. <clears throat> shit, he's been in a lot of shit. I don't know if he was in Scarface. <laughs> not helpful <laughs> because because if Murray Abraham was in fucking Scarface, well then that's <laughs> who I thought he was. Murray <laughs> Abraham's in Scarface. Yep, he's Omar. Murray Abraham's been in everything, and I, I don't know. I, I re I'm pretty sure that when I heard the actor who I th was thinking, you know, that it was had passed away, I was like, "Oh man, the guy from Amadeus passed away. Bummer." You know, and then I went on about mm -hmm. my life. But yet here I am looking at looking the ghost in the face. He is 
the Thirteenth Ghost. Speaking well, of the, the Thirteenth Ghost, I was to say, okay, maybe not. Let's not get that far. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not. But speaking of Thirteen Ghosts, we got to look at you know the, the the Black Zodiac. Okay, I found a fun little page called ThirteenGhosts.Fandom.com, and they have a little wiki page there. And I was just kind of looking that over. I thought it'd be kind of fun to dig into the said. 13 ghosts we know that one of said ghosts is not gonna show up on this list but actually he does show up on the list he's the last one but i say we just go down the list kind of tell a little something something about each one and get on with it so the first of each is the firstborn son this is the first ghost uh in the black zodiac the firstborn son is the ghost of a little boy who dies of arrow shot through the head it may possibly also represent an infant ghost or firstborn ma- male child. And I guess this is in the lore of 13 Ghosts, not one specific guy. Because what we know about the 13 Ghosts is there has to be a ghost summoned that fits a specific archetype. Am I right? I mean, yeah. So in order for, um, I don't want to get too far ahead, but in order for a certain cataclysmic thing to happen... The summoner has to summon uh, 13 ghosts that fit a certain <laughs> description. and So they had to hunt them down. So he's got to hunt them down. And that's where we you know, get into our opening, where they're hunting down the juggernaut of all. And apparently they'd already captured the, uh, what, the first 11? At that point, yeah. At that point, them. because, of course, um, your boyfriend, um, Matt Lillard, is... He's confused. What do you mean 13 ghosts? Well, anyway, the first of which, the firstborn son. And we saw him in the flick, and he's a little boy with an arrow sticking halfway through his forehead and halfway through the back of his head, and it looks great. The second of which, the second ghost in the Black Zodiac, is the torso. He's missing his legs and or his waist. It may possibly represent a severed or mutilated ghost. Um, I don't remember specifically seeing... The torso in this one. They showed it, but it was pretty brief. One of those brief ones like the... Uh, yeah. Okay. See, I, I, this is... I, it is not a complaint. It is not a complaint whatsoever. But I did not think that they went in enough on maybe some background of each ghost. Now, this flick so, is yeah, only an hour the and a half. Information, the information that we find on the ghost, you are able to see all that information in the uh, DVD... The production and makeup teams explain their information and the backstories for all the ghosts. Cyrus explains all the ghost backstories on the DVD. Ah, that is very It's good. very so, cool. So we know Rick is probably okay with it. He's Oh yeah, Rick knows everything. He yeah, owns he every everything. DVD ever made. Ever made. And then that brings us to our third ghost, the Bound Woman. Uh, this is a ghost of a woman who died having been tied up in some fashion, but in the ooh, in the Arcanum the only bound ghost is the angry princess, in which case it just represents general uh, taking of her own life. So it is entirely possible that instead of being physically bound, this ghost has, as a prerequisite, sealed her own fate, as seen by how some sort of action, such as her infidelity, led to her demise. Then you have the withered lover. This is um, one of the, the more important ones in this film. Uh, the fourth ghost of the Black Zodiac is. And this ghost is of someone who died having a withered or worn appearance. It may also represent someone, the prereq may be that of a woman, 
who had her future, dreams, or relationships destroyed or broken, like being separated from one's mate. And this is, of course, from fandom.com. So who else do we have? So when we look at the list of all the spirits and 13 ghosts, after we go from the withered lover, which is a very sad tale, we get to the torn prince. Now we see him and he's missing a fair amount of the skin on the side of his face is kind of peeled back. And it says that um, he was a high school baseball star in the late 1950s. And he has a baseball bat weapon that he'll use to attack any of the living characters. Uh, he is not the most dangerous out of all the 13 ghosts and 13 ghosts, but he definitely causes some havoc with his weapon. After that, we have the angry princess, who we have several, like, elongated scenes with. Um, she, I mean, like, besides maybe the juggernaut or maybe the jackal, I would say that she's one of the top three that we see the most. Do you guys agree with that? She's definitely Mount Rushmore. She is not a do-nothing bitch either. No, she's not. The angry princess um, is of a young woman who dies by committing suicide. Um, it is a woman. And either popular, spoiled, beautiful, like a princess that couldn't see past her privileges and would be unhappy with her blessings. Now, if you look at her, she she is very pretty. Um, and also... When we look at the information for her, the makeup required the longest time for her to be applied at five hours. Well, I also think they probably misnamed her because she should have been called the hammer. Well, now that's true. Speaking well, no, you, you, you would disagree. You would disagree. Why would I disagree? Because the hammer's already been mentioned, has he not? Okay, well, if we're talking about ladies, Matthew Lillard is quite obviously the hammer. <laughs> but if we're we moving are. on to not hammers, uh, the Pilgrimess is next, a victim of the Salem witch trial hysteria that gripped New England in the late 1600s. Um, accused of witchcraft when burning didn't work, the perception that she was evil only increased. She was left to die of starvation. Uh, she's the only one whose arms are bound. And uh, she can't really do a whole lot because she's kind of in, what do you call that? Is it uh, stocks? Like the, uh, where your head and arms are in the Yeah, uh, that's the what she's got going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got that going on. So she can't do a whole lot besides fly mm -hmm. at you. Um, and Which is bad then enough. from there, I mean, it's not great. From there, we have one of the more unsettling pairs, in my opinion. Well, the only mm -hmm. pair, but unsettling. It's the great child and the dire mother. And... It's basically a gigantic baby and his mom, who is very small. Um, we only get the, them for a second. Oh, uh, we get them for a second a couple times, and then we see them at the end. But they're mm. not highly featured. Um, they are the ghosts of a child and a mother. Uh, it seems that they're related. And the DVD information says that she was a part of a carnival freak show. And her son was also part of it. And the freaks murdered her, leading the baby to go crazy with an axe and kill most of them before he himself was killed by an angry mob. So they died yeah. together, freak show style. Well, the freaks do come out at night. And James, my favorite kind of freak, is a hammer of a freak. So tell us, who is this hammer? Who is this hammer? <laughs> and what does he do? <clears throat> The ghost is that of a heavy, muscular, set blacksmith who wields a large hammer. Oh, that's you. Any further or deeper implications are unknown. Huh. 
Okay, so well. is the ghost of George Markley as the hammer. So this, <clears throat> this page is going to show, um, you know, a, a quick blurb on these guys. And then, of course, the character that um, Cyrus chose. And it's, it's, you could really go down a rabbit hole with, with this, this lore. I love it. Carry on. Sorry. Well, that's great, Bill. The next one is the jackal. The jackal is the ghost of a disheveled man wearing a cage on his head, which probably represented bestiality or wildness, seeing as how much of a savage and how aggressive the ghost is, as well as his depravity and sexual implications. Mm, I get like that on Sundays. Mm. Shit, today's Sunday. I get that that on Saturdays. Lord. The DVD says that he is the most volatile and unpredictable of the ghosts as well. And I think we see that. Oh, we definitely see that. Yeah, there's some volatility there. Game, Bill, Jackal. Drove around that Jeep and blowed stuff up. Oh, I remember that game. Yeah, that is um, that is a classic NES game, James. Good call. Wasn't there a discrepancy with that and you and Cliff Harris? Oh, uh, was there? Or did I get that game from Cliff Harris? You might have gotten it from me. I had it at one point. I don't think I got it from Cliff. Mm. Probably stole it. I don't know. something. Well, also, game. the band Jackal played the uh, chainsaw. <laughs> the band Jackal is great. You got to be a hillbilly to really like Jackal, though. <laughs> well, I am a hillbilly. Well, yeah, that's why you like him. I like him too, though. And uh, Casey's half hillbilly. Am I? Didn't didn't we um didn't we determine that that you're half hillbilly? I don't know that we yeah. did. She's been dubbed half hillbilly. Okay, I dubbed I mean, the half hillbilly. I'll take it, I guess. Well, we're gonna have to. Turn I don't know that I jackal. am, but I like to put my overalls on and uh, tune up my chainsaw and listen to Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the image. Before I go out and cut wood. Well, you've never cut wood, James. Bill, I was cutting some wood the other day. Well, well, you're a juggernaut of a man. Tell us about this juggernaut. He's the ghost. Is that of a tall, ugly, and incredibly strong man? You. That's it. <laughs> well. <laughs> And, and, and he's the last kind of featured. Yeah, and and the first to be seen, right? Horace Mahoney. Cyrus chooses the ghost of Horace Mahoney to serve as a juggernaut. God, also it's kind of a final of, boss situation. Yeah, it is a Mahoney final boss, but like he's got that that Mo that Mo Howard haircut, and it almost kind of takes away from him. You see him as like ah, okay, like you see the drawings of him right in the little um. Uh, the the book and then all of a sudden you see him and he's got this you know 1997 you know drum major haircut Mm-mm. also reminds me of Mahoney from uh, Police Academy Police Academy yeah Steve Gutenberg I could Steve Gutenberg should have been in this movie oh. as as the Juggernaut I've well, never got, seen Police Academy so I can't comment on that you know what you're you're pissing me off because I mean first there's Jackal and now there's Police Academy so you got like so five or six can, movies to catch up on. You can click on these names and it gives you a whole like biography. Yeah, that's the rabbit hole I was referring to. It's, it's, easy, says, to get, it's easy to get dragged into. Family, Mister Mahoney, <laughs> unknown mother, friends. What about that thirteenth ghost? Huh? The name enemies, claim the fame. Yeah, he's already <laughs> lost. He's he's like he's done went into the rabbit hole and he can't dig out. To James, there is no thirteenth ghost. There is now only Mister Mahoney. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that thirteenth ghost uh, was never jackal, to be gotten. The jackal's family is unnamed prostitute mother. Oh, okay. She just went by her first name, like Cher, so they couldn't really ID her. Now, when we look at this movie, 
and the people it features and the kind of vibe. I feel like looking into it, there are similar vibes in some other movies around the same time. And looking into that, it's because a lot of them were made by Dark Castle Entertainment. So in looking at those, we've got one of my favorites, the House on Haunted Hill remake, yes. 13 Ghosts, Ghost Ship, Gothica, House of Wax, Orphan a little later on, uh, Splice, which I never saw, but people enjoyed. Who's uh, in that? The Orphan Splice is Adrian Brody, I think, one of our featured players on the podcast previously. Yeah. Okay, that's I think not it's a weird one, but but a lot of these movies, I mean, like, am I right in thinking that there are a lot of the same vibes, like a lot of the same color schemes, kind of, you know, Dark. lighting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, and, um, and I thought that, that is an cool elite lineup. That. It really is. It's a lot of fun movies from, like, late 90s, early 2000s yeah, into liked, the mid and late 2000s. It I continues. Every the Orphan remake is uh, also Dark Castle, and it is upcoming. I am excited for it. Wait a minute, they're doing what with Orphan? They're uh, not a remake, I'm sorry, a sequel. Uh, they're doing a sequel to it. Well, that's still going to be great. It's supposed to be a prequel, I guess, from what I understand. Well, but um, I don't know, it could be great. Um, th- I'm we know that the cat's out of the bag with you know the real twist of the movie, so they're going to yeah. have to do something special with it. But, I mean, it was still a great movie. Um, who who played the, the dad in that? Was that Patrick in, Wilson? In... I think it is Patrick Wilson. Why is um, he in every fucking horror movie? No, 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 no. Today? It's not. It's not. It's um. It's the Sarsgaard guy. Um. Oh. Oh. Bill. It's um. Skellen. No, Skellen. no, 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 no. It's not. I don't think he's actually related to the Sarsgaard family. What? There um, are. There's not more than those guys. <laughs> no, dead ass. Star I don't think he's related to them. <laughs> Peter. It's Peter Sarsgaard in that movie. So but had Patrick I seen Wilson him, is in Insidious and the movies. It feels like Patrick Wilson's in everything that I don't want to see. What about Rich, Phantom of the Opera? Good. I don't want to see. He has a beautiful singing voice, Billy. Does he really? Yeah, he does. Was he in Les Miserables? He was not, but if he was, I would have watched it harder. <laughs> well, first of all, um, that's a great movie. That that is a Watch <laughs> that is one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite musicals of uh, modern day, and I might have to watch that pretty soon. It's a good one. It's a long one, but it's worth it. Well, we may as well go ahead and get into this thing. All right, this uh, you know this, this opening perfect film. This is listen. You can talk all you want to about. Um, you know, the, the, the teen, uh, heartthrobs or whatever, you know, Matt Lillard, Shannon Elizabeth, uh, you got Rod Digga in the movie and she's fantastic. Um, the, 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 the babysitter, nanny? babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. She... Nanny, which if, okay. The one singular one problem that I have with this movie is that they have, they talk constantly about being super broke. And they have a nanny, and the sister seems to be around the same age as the nanny and perfectly capable of taking care of Bobby. I don't think they needed a nanny. All they need is, like, a story for him to talk about that concerns a dead person, and he will just... It's like uh, Eddie Griswold leaving his, you know, kids alone in that snake pit. Oh, they'll be all right for a couple hours. Just give him a dead body to talk about. Well, a Vegas vacation, but anyway. Um... You leave this kid alone with a story about dead people, and he will entertain himself. He doesn't need a nanny. You can yeah, save yourself thirty grand a year. 
Yeah. Or does uh, Sammy Kershaw and Sam Neal the same person? Yes. Yes. I don't know who Sam Neal is. I do know who Sam Neal is, but Sam I just can't. Neal, who do, you, who do you think you are, Bill? Isn't Sam Neal the main guy in Jurassic Park? Yeah. Okay. Hugh Grant. I can, I can tell <laughs> you, Grant? And his name's, yeah, it's Grant. His name's Grant. Dr. Grant, to be exact. Okay, well, you said Hugh Grant, and I'm is, sitting here thinking of, you know... I'm um, 99% sure in that movie his name is Alan, and that Hugh Grant is an actor. Alan Grant. Dr. Alan Grant. Okay. Hugh Grant. Okay. Sammy Kershaw, or the same person. <laughs> James, My Casey is all of, like, 17 years old. She does not know who Sammy Kershaw is. She knows who Clayton Kershaw is. You're right about some of those words. Which one? Not the one where I'm 17 years old. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I do know who Clayton Kershaw is. Okay, well. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So listen, this opening does a really good job of giving exposition. And I'm talking about the one where they're in the junkyard. It's like just a small taste of what the juggernaut is capable of. So we have Cyrus uh, Criticus, played by F. Murray Abraham, um, who's very much alive, and his neurotic psychic sidekick, Dennis. Okay, Dennis is who we like, Matt Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a crew. <laughs> respect. He's going to make you the queen of his double-wide trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be happy. Good job, James. I'm... I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you that one. But they're there trying to capture the juggernaut. Okay, and this is the boss fight that happens at the beginning of the movie. So you know it ain't gonna go down well. All right, he's a he's the ghost who lives in the junkyard. So several of the soldiers, including Cyrus, who's the the rich guy funding this whole thing, they're all slain in this subsequent capture. Okay, the squad Cyrus on the is other like hand cut in half. Yeah, it it does not go well for him and. You know, the squad, though, they're able to capture the Juggernaut. In, in and thank God. Yeah, and it, it was a very cool scene. They, uh, what do they do? They take a bus and they use it to, like, spray blood everywhere to draw him it out. It is gross. And he just completely wrecks ass. I mean, his name's the Juggernaut. Of course he's going to. But he just murders this, this whole company and, on the other end, ends up being captured so they have the ghost they need but what happens there's a 13th ghost that cyrus was talking about prior to that and apparently there's some shit going on that maybe i just didn't capture the the, they even tell why cyrus wants wants these ghosts or is it unbeknownst to us at the point no i think they kind of hint at it we don't necessarily have context exactly for what it is but it's definitely like sideline conversation okay so second time around you capture it First time, yeah. maybe not. Something's okay. happening though, and we know that. Oh yeah, there wouldn't be a movie if there wouldn't wasn't something happening. Yeah, strange well, things afoot at the local junkyard. Damn right. So Cyrus being dead and cut in half, he's got himself an estate lawyer, and that, that's Ben Ben Moss to be exact, uh, played by J.R. Bourne. Uh, so he <clears> informs <throat> our guy Tony Shalhoub, <laughs> our guy Tony uh, Tony Shalhoub. Played, uh, who Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone, who plays Arthur Criticus, uh, who is in, uh, a mathematician, a widower, uh, a broke widower who has a nanny for his child, who is a young podcaster, un- <laughs> n- not unlike us. But he informs him. <laughs> we are all this child. There's a dead person. <laughs> Let's look at him. 
Rick Shaloub. <laughs> so Rick Shaloub has this podcast, and he's just talking about dead people at the dinner table or the breakfast table. But the the lawyer, this estate lawyer, comes and visits the, this family who's down on their luck. Supposedly doesn't have any money, but only nanny some, money. Oh yeah, only nanny money. But they've now inherited a home. And one of my favorite lines was um, from Shannon. Well, it wasn't from Shannon Elizabeth, but Shannon Elizabeth set the line up. And it's it really goes to the mastery of Tony Shalhoub's acting ability, I guess. His delivery on his lines has always kind of <clears throat> fascinated me, but I notice it when I see him in a movie. But she says, we have a, a an Uncle Cyrus? I said, well, we had, and he was, you know, he squandered the family fortune. And Shannon Elizabeth says, we have a family fortune? <laughs> and Tony Shalhoub says, we had. He squandered it. I don't know why yeah. his delivery of that. That just, made me laugh. Oh, that's yeah. spectacular, Bill. Isn't that the same guy that played Monk? We have welcome, already what well, Welcome to the podcast, James. I'm glad you just now got here. No hey, one you did How are you going to get a popular show called Monk? That was his last name in the show. Yeah. Well, well, Adrian you Monk, I think, yeah, if I remember Adrian, right. Yeah. Adrian Monk, yeah. And don't say anything Monk. about the last name Monk because only the greatest wide receiver to ever play football's last name was Monk, okay? Rick Monk. Everybody's a Rick. <laughs> Art so, Monk. Thank you for putting the respect on his name. So this family has inherited this home, okay? And the, Didn't like, he play they, for the Redskins, Bill? He absolutely did, James. I know it. I know you poor guy, but they're going to move this poor family um, into this home that they've inherited. I mean, why not? This Nikola Tesla hellscape of a home. (laughs) Yeah. And they're bringing the nanny. Thank God. Oh yeah. She's great. First of all, let me go back to to her real quick. She is uh, a rapper who was kind of like part of one of my favorite troops in the the New York, New Jersey area, a tribe called Quest. Q-Tip discovered her, and uh, that's just absolutely one of my favorite hip-hop rap groups ever. But as this family, what is her last name? Uh, Criticos? As the Criticos family and the uh, estate lawyer visit the home, Dennis shows up. All right, Dennis is Matt Lillard, and he is disguised as, he's got this orange jumpsuit. He's disguised as a power company guy, like a, an electrician, I guess. So th- this Yeah, house, he looks very handsome. He, he, he looks wonderful. You know, this house, though, is like nearly, like all, like entirely built out of glass uh, with like metal framing. I, first of all, I love this house. Like, it just looks so, even in 2000, what was it, one? Even yes. in 2001, this house looks spectacular compared to anything that I see in 2021. 22? Well, well, yeah, um, I guess so. I don't know what year I'm in. What month is this? It's April. God damn. I'm kind of kind of behind. Well, well, well the, you know, this house like has some, you know, several rare antiquities. It's got these Latin words carved on the floors and I think in the walls too. It's got those incantations that we'll learn about later. But the glass walls are movable, so you can just, you know, trap your best friend in one corner, don't let him out. Just put a little, you know, a hot pocket in the corner and he'll go right over there, James. And uh, you know, so Arthur and his family, they're really excited to, you know, they got this beautiful property. And Arthur consults with, you know, his, uh, you know, solicitor, uh, you know, about, you know, his financial problems. Okay, he can't, you know, can't afford this. So, you know, he's talking to, uh, to what's his name, Moss. Um, 
Kathy and Bobby, who, you know, Bobby is, uh, you know, Rick Shalhoub, and Kathy, I think, is, is that her name, Kathy? Kathy. Shannon Elizabeth? Yep. All right, so they go out to explore, um, and, of course, Dennis, you know, he's he's there to do some, some secret agent shit. He's you know, rushing upstairs to, you know, he sees all these multiple spirits and apparently, you know, like in They Live, he's got these special glasses that can see, you know, what's going on. But he sees these spirits in, in the basement kind of swarming around and, you know, he, he wants to warn Arthur about the house that he's going to, to, to buy. And uh, do they believe him? Absolutely not. Who's going to believe that, right? You just uh, The first person to put on those glasses, which are apparently a keep. A kept detail from the original 1960 13 ghosts but as soon as he starts putting these glasses on people they start understanding pretty quick yeah it doesn't take long it just sounds you know you would think though in 2022 or 2021 even that you just put these glasses on me and these are special glasses that's what it is you're showing me holograms that are built into these glasses uh i've got a playstation vr you can't trick me but then you get got and you get got nobody's buying it so, you know, he's he's trying to warn him. And like anybody would, though, you just inherited this huge mansion. You got to think there's some shysters coming around trying to, you know, get you to squander it. So, you know, D- D- Dennis tells Arthur that the mansion is home to these 12 spirits, 12 wraiths, 12 uh, phantasms. I don't know what other words he used. Uh, who are Who are being held hostage. And, uh, you know, Shalhoub, you know, he's... Again, really funny. Um, when, when Matt Lillard's using every word uh, to describe what these entities are, you know, living in their home, he basically gets tired of not being understood. So he simply says, ghosts. And after a bit of silence, uh, Shalhoub says, goats? <laughs> I loved that moment. A very good moment. That one kind of popped me as well. James probably hated it, but it is what it is. I don't even remember that, Bill. You don't remember that part? Um. He said, they're, they're, they're wraiths, they're, they're wraiths, they're phantasms, they're spirits, and Shalhoub's not buying it. He, or he doesn't uh, understand, like, what are you what are you talking about? He's like, okay, I'll say it simply, ghosts. And there's like three seconds of silence, and Shalhoub says, goats? No ghosts! Damn it! Great line. But Ben Moss, the uh, estate lawyer, he's spotted kind of slipping away with his suitcase full of cash. Um, that was supposed to be the payment. You know, so upon getting, you know, the payment to uh, the, the family, I guess, is if I understand correct, that's kind of the rest of their inheritance, maybe. Does that sound right? Yeah, I I think so. I, think I was unclear where that money came from. Yeah, it's either that or maybe it's for um, Matthew Lillard. I was never really sure whose money that's supposed to be because I know, like, at the beginning, Cyrus tells Matthew Lillard he's going to give him, like, a lot of money to help him capture this last ghost, the juggernaut. Yeah. So we know, and he makes it very clear from the tip top that Cyrus owes him money. Yeah. That's, so I that's probably, money that, was. That, that probably sounds right. Cause I do remember money being mentioned at the beginning. I just don't remember if it was ever specified, but Moss is, yeah. you know, he's slipping away with that money. And, you know, upon getting that money, he, uh, he kind of activates a device that was put up by Cyrus, which you know, it locks the door and, releases the ghosts one by one and as a result moss runs into the angry princess not Very only cool does scene. he run into her yeah he is kind of shitty to her at the fir- at first um i think he tells her nice tits or something like that he does and it's very disrespectful he's very disrespectful to the dead lady and had he not been that way she might have let him go um 
but she's the first to be freed and she's got him backed up, you know, in, into an open doorway. It's almost like a, I want to say like a door frame because you can't really tell. It almost looks like an open hall, but this thing fucking clamps him, clamps down on his ass, slices him in half, like standing up. And at first it's like almost like a slow burn of a kill to the point where you don't know, like, did it just like trap his ass in the, in the door? Like what happened? But no, it got him a little deeper. It actually went through him, like cut him probably symmetrically <laughs> front to back and, or I guess east to west. It didn't cut him front to back. Um, but he slowly starts to slide down and you see, <laughs> you see his, well, every bit of him, but mainly you're focused on his, his skull. You see his brain perfectly cut in half. It, it couldn't have been a more, you couldn't slice a fruit any any smoother than this door sliced him in half that killed he got he, he fucked got, around got. he found out he yes two things that he did going down into that corridor was fucking around and finding out but you know the presence of the ghost is kind of later established to you know the skeptic arthur who didn't believe it at first when he observes the ghost known as the jackal attacking shannon elizabeth and this is a very intense scene very intense um i mean it's ripping her clothes to shreds uh at one point it's looking a little hot but you realize she's about to die and you can't see a hot shannon elizabeth if she's dead okay so the jackal gets after here comes tony shivani and he drags her away Again, it, it's cutting back and forth to being able to see the jackal and not being able to see him, but only seeing like maybe a, uh, it looks like a levitating Kathy. Uh, Kathy? Yeah. A Kathy. levitating Kathy. And that's where the jackal is. You know, he's got her pulled up. But this is a very intense scene. And you kind of see what the jackal's about and that high volatility that you were talking about. Can I ask a very important question? James, by all means. How did Tony Shalhoub have such a hot daughter? Well, you see... Well, the mom was pretty. Yeah, the, the, the mom was a babe, but, you know, um, she didn't do it alone. Okay, this might have been tw 2001. In 1984, Tony Shalhoub would walk into your living room, slap you, slap your gal, make himself a sandwich, sit down at the TV, and fall asleep on your recliner, and you would thank him for it. He was a handsome <laughs> devil. <clears throat> Are you sure, baby? We'll be posting pictures of Tony Shalhoub from 1984 on the Slasher Sports pages. We will, and I'm I'll I'll, I'll back it up. I'll Tony Shalhoub, 1984. That was James's Google search. <laughs> He's got a mustache, and that's all I need to know. He was giving Billy free mustache, mustache rides. He was giving Billy. free mustache rides in '84. Okay, you are a demon. In he 1983, like, uh, I tell you what he looks like. Tell me, he looks like a young. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I know exactly who that is. Well, put a mustache on him. <laughs> he looks like Tony Shalhoub in 1984. What, was there not a, a, a Shia LaBeouf <laughs> role where he had a mustache? It probably is. Let's see here. Shia LaBeouf with a mustache. <laughs> oh my God. Why don't you Google things with your thumbs? <laughs> His thumbs don't work like that, Casey. Because I can't spell Tony Shalhoub or Shalhoub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
He can uh, he spell final girl Casey, let alone shine. I mean, <laughs> he has a mustache, but he also has a beard. So it's not just oh, it's not the same. mustache. It's like Billy. I don't have a mustache. I just didn't shave. You do too. So after getting separated. Growing, <laughs> growing facial hair is like Billy growing facial hair. So what the hell does that mean, James? A damn cat could lick it off, Bill. After becoming separated from Maggie, Bobby, which is Rick, Rick Shalom, <laughs> and the younger of the two kids, uh, you know, they go down, uh, you know, Bobby, he, he goes down to, to the basement and he gets lost. Okay, first of all, fuck this kid. I'm sorry, final girl mom, but fuck this kid. <clears throat> He's been on my nerves since the opening scene, forcing the, 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 the morbid personality, but he meets a number of ghosts down there. Okay, including the torso, uh, the bound woman, and there was one more. I don't know. But Arthur, you know, he he finds, uh, you know, Kathy, and, you know, they, they fight the jackal while the, the, the kid Bobby is down there by himself. So, Kal- Kalina, I, this is Embeth Davids's character. Somebody explain to me what Kalina's supposed role is at this point. Where does she come in? She's like the archaeologist. Or- archaeologist like the ghost anthropologist like she knows all their history she has like the codes to the fucking house she's like she's like cyrus's henchman almost like if dennis is his employee kalina seems to be his accomplice almost is that the supposed role though or is that the what do you role mean? That what we, do you mean we what find you mean? out later oh okay i see what you mean um i think in the moment well, she says from the beginning she's trying to free them, right? Okay. Like, she comes yeah. in spouting that information, that she's going to free all the ghosts. Okay, so she's there uh, of her own volition, not uh, on behalf of anybody else, supposedly. As far as we know so far. And she just wants to free them. Okay, so, well, she helps Arthur get, you know, Kathy out of the jackal's hold, which, you know... They, they, they lose that a few seconds later. But following that, you know, Arthur's goal is clear. You know, he's got to locate his children and get out of this place as quickly as possible. You know, this, you know, this is troublesome for, you know, two reasons. The ghosts can only be seen with these special They Live glasses. And the walls continue to, to alter, making navigation impossible. So they're kind of stuck. It's a death trap. It's a death curse. But after that, Arthur and Kalina, they meet up with Dennis and Maggie... Uh, Maggie's the the nanny, right? So, and they head to the library, which you know the library's safe. Uh, you know the library never moves. Um, but Dennis, you know, on the other hand, he slips. He kind of slips behind due to having these psychic visions. This is something that we didn't really establish at the beginning. He, the reason he was Cyrus's sidekick is because he has psychic visions, and you know he can see what's coming up. He, but he still needs those glasses to see the ghosts. But, you know, he, he gets there just in time to see Arthur being attacked by the jackal. Um, you know, J- Dennis is able to hit the jackal with one of uh, one of Kalina's flares, uh, which, you know, knocks him off of Arthur, who's, you know, now injured. But, you know, Kalina reveals in the library that this is not just, you know, not a house, but rather um, a complicated mechanism developed by Cyrus himself and planned by... This deranged 15th century astronomer to open the Ocularis Infernum, or Hell's Eye. The giant time-turner from Harry Potter-looking mechanism in the middle of the house. Yeah, this thing looks like my... Spinning arms. Looks like this vegetable chopper that I have. 
What'd you say, James? Sounds sound good at all. It doesn't sound good at all. It just sounds like the most, you know, to the naked eye, it looks like just the world's most complicated can opener. But this the thing will fuck you up. Processor. It is the ninja food processor. But once this <laughs> diabolical technology created by the devil and powered by the dead, you know, opens the eye... The, the you know the user of it is going to be able to see everything in the past and future. So there's a reason you know they, they want to see heaven and earth. You know the the blessed and the condemned. So like you know the spirit of Arthur's dead wife Jean comes into play. You know, she's uh, it's yeah, bad all, that her that her son is the one who like discovers it. Well, oh, no bags herself. <laughs> the whole ball and chain. <laughs> So she's discovered to be the fourth ghost. Um, Why have you done my kids, Shaloub? <laughs> <laughs> she still calls him by his his, his, his <laughs> real name. Um, but she's operating this gadget, much to Arthur's surprise and probably chagrin. Kalina then informs Arthur that his children are in severe danger and that the only way to secure their safe return is to swap his soul for theirs. Sounds pretty easy, Bill. Oh, it, it sounds easy, but it's not. You know, if, if Arthur, you know, follows through with his plan, he can get out unscathed, but, you know, it's not going to happen. But Arthur and, you know, Dennis, they keep trying and keep trying to save Kathy and Bobby, uh, you know, Rick Shalhoub. Uh, this time, you know, they, they utilize a, a shattered pane of glass. This was genius. I really like this this idea. You know, out of the box thinking. Uh, a shattered pane of glass. You know, it's got the uh, incantations that keep the ghosts uh, at bay. But they use this to kind of walk their way through the corridors. It, you know, it's going to protect them from, you know, any ghosts that come and try to do them harm. So the torn prince, uh, he's unleashed first. You know, followed by the hammer. I mean, and this prompts Dennis to force Arthur into a corner where he's going to be shielded by the glass. And this seemed unnecessary. It, it seemed like they could both fit, but it, they weren't trying. He didn't even try it. He's like, well, you're the only one that's going to fit, so you stay back there. And then he, you know, does plays the hero role and really entices, uh, I believe, the hammer to come after him and leave Shalhoub alone. And the juggernaut. Yeah, I guess both. I, I guess he's kind of screwed up by both of them and actually the juggernaut's the one who no go ahead i was gonna say in a heroic but tragic twist we lose all of our favorite character Mm. dennis who is kind of redeeming himself right because we find out that he was kind of like enslaving these ghosts at cyrus's behest um and he's called out pretty heavily for that he he does seem um it, it seems like he was, like, captured into this propensity, like, you know, paid heavily to do so and kind of at Cyrus's beck and call. But he does redeem himself by using this sheet to protect Cyrus and is Holy fully, fully just, like, broken against a corner. Like, it reminds me of that part in Batman Begins, I think. No, no, no. It's uh, Dark Knight Rises where he's just, like, broken across Bane's knee. It's like that, but up against the corner of a wall. <laughs> Am I wrong? It's no, you're I not I think wrong. that's very accurate. Okay, so, uh, despite having the crush on this guy, his death is not explained with any Batman references. <laughs> no, it's just a similar-looking death, like the, the, the way the, he's the broken The backbreaker against the pole. Yeah. Batman didn't die. 
No, he didn't die, but he got broken and had to like crawl his way out of the cave. Okay, James, I'll put it in terms that you, even even the likes of you can understand. He put him <laughs> in one of those Nikolai Volkov backbreakers. Is what he did. Now I understand. Now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you know, he protected Arthur at the cost of his own life, and uh, I was, was just saying the dramatics of it is not compared to a Batman film. Well, why doesn't it? Because he's just a little side character that gets mushed, all right? He, he's one of, like, he's one of the most important characters in this movie. The most. Tell him, Casey, I'm too mad. The well, you know, we have a twist. We have a, we have a twist. Our first, well, I don't know <clears> if it's our first, but one, like, a very big twist. And then it's that Cyrus, the mastermind behind it all, is found to be alive, having faked his death in order to get Arthur to the mansion. And then Kalina's revealed to be a secret partner and lover, I think. Uh, she knocks Maggie out, which would not happen in real life because Maggie's not a dude, not a bitch. But Cyrus had planned these whole events out, including, you know, kidnapping Kathy and Bobby, in order for Arthur to become what? God. The 13th ghost. Oh. Not to stop the machine, as Kalina had stated earlier, but to start it. start it crank that bitch up but you know the the plan's main problem according to kalina is that arthur's only going to sacrifice himself if his children are truly in danger and when she refuses it appears to, they are it, it, it yes but it doesn't look like they are you know if, if this was indiana jones in the temple of doom like it's not willie being down face down in the fire she's still tied up on the thing so they're okay at the moment they're surrounded by these crazy huge um ninja pro food processing blades but they're not about to be beheaded or anything like that but they're close but she refuses to uh obey cyrus's command and like you know he kind of you know kind of gives this eye roll sigh and you know he puts her in her own little tiny cell you know telling her that what was the quote i had the quote notated greatness necessitates sacrifice i believe is what he said right before he fucking crushes her between these two glass walls if that's not dedication Appar to the plan. Apparently that was supposed to be a much ickier moment. Um, originally, her death where she was crushed between the panels was a lot gorier with shots of her eyes popping out and brain squirting everywhere. Well, uh, it was cut down because that. they thought it would get the film an NC-17 rating, so they cut what? it back. That would not yeah. have gotten NC-17. I think there's been way worse in R-rated movies. There's tons worse. Well, Arthur's visited by Gene's spirit. Yes, Gene, James. While he's uh, trapped behind... And this, this glass, by the way, this special glass is called Ectobar. <laughs> and any time you see the word Ecto, that has to do with ghosts. Ectoplasm. The Ecto-1 in Ghostbusters. But in response uh, to a tape-recorded summoning ritual performed by Cyrus, like all the spirits vanish from the basement. Like, Kathy and Bobby are trapped in the middle of a this swirling razor-sharp ring that looks like, you know, the, the veggie dicer. Um, make great pico de gallo, by the way. Maggie takes the tape and messes up the machine somehow. It interrupts uh, Arthur mm. and Cyrus's heated encounter. Uh, well, you know, the spirits has a good salsa recipe. You know what, James? You make me sick on, on, on the salsa <laughs> recipes. And I'll, I'm going to tell Casey about this in a minute. I'm gonna see who, we're going to see who's right and who's wrong. But, I'll you know, be happy these, to give input. I love giving input. 
Well, I know you do, and you like Dude, also being like the the Judge Judy of of the podcast. So that's really important to it. But you know the the spirits, you know, they're released from their slumber as a you know result of this equipment failure, and the the machine begins to malfunction. You know, well, everybody's released except Gene. You know, all the the ghosts, they all seize Cyrus and they fling him into the rotating rings. They slice him into pieces again, as if, you know, the the opening scene. They never do say how he survived that. Um, But the spirit of, you know, Dennis then appears, you know, asking Arthur to go see his children. And, you know, Arthur... He jumps to save his children. You know, wait, he waits for a little gap in the razor rings, uh, you know, following the mal- malfunction. Um, he makes the leap without dying. You know, the, the glass walls of the home break, frees the ghosts from their confinement. Gene they go pauses. running off through the yard. They go like running, yeah. That movie with Kevin Costner that I can't think of. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams, that is the one. Mm. Gene pauses for a mo- little moment to say farewell to her family before departing with the others into the... The great beyond. And Maggie's and, done. And Maggie's done with this shit. She's, you know, walking through all the debris. She's just beaten, downtrodden, just shouting at Arthur and, you know, the, the kids that she's, you know, she did not agree to this when she came to work for him and that it's not the job description and she quits. She's right. Yeah, definitely job description. But, you know. She's five and Matthew Lillard got axed. Well, you can't just do the things that Matthew Lillard was doing in the past and expect to survive. He redeemed himself. He there was redemption, and he went out like a hero. I like those scenes though, where you, you there was never a point in the movie where I hated Matthew Lillard. But there are never. shows and movies where oh, I know you. But there are movies where you, you see somebody who you didn't like in the past, but for the the greater good of the group, they end up doing this heroic thing. And one of the more important scenes I remember is from the TV show Prison Break. And this may have been season three, where the former correctional officer. This who is was like, spoilers on a very interesting show. We just go spoiled. On. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil twenty uh, uh, Prison Break season three right now. What about twenty four, Bill? I don't want to spoil that. I would never. I would never spoil that. And I'm in an air shaft, and I'm gonna get the nuclear launch codes. Well, that was seasons one, five, and eight. Give me the codes. I'm in the dry shaft. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your best uh, Kiefer? Yeah. Okay. Don't you ever fucking make fun of Kiefer again. <laughs> Never in your life, James. Ten seasons of him yelling. <laughs> <laughs> James, that is the greatest TV show that's ever been uh, as far as dramas go. We're going to say it. Continue. <laughs> You're going to see it next time we're over. Uh, anyway, um... <clears throat> So you yeah, probably have that backdrop. <laughs> See, yeah, you'll be peeking. You'll be peeking over there to look at it, pretending <laughs> that you don't care anything about it. But anyway, season three of uh, Prison Break, the the CEO they, they've got to drill this hole in this giant pipe, and the only way that they can pass through uh, w- without you know the water sweeping them away is to m- put another really large pipe in there. But it's so heavy that it keeps falling. So. Brad Bellick, Officer Bellick, jumps in the hole, picks it up, pushes it through, but that traps him inside the pipe, and here comes the water sweeping him away. He did it for the greater good. And that, that's what, you know, this scene reminded me of, a heroic sacrifice of himself. Sure. But guys, that's that's where this film ends. This is um this was it. So I guess we need to get final thoughts. James, don't you doggone lie to me. I know you love this movie. Tell me more. Bill, I hate this movie because it scares me. 
It should be right up y'all's alley. See, that's how you know. If it scares James, it's done its job. I guess I should give my final thoughts on this one so Casey can can do the grand finale. I know this Casey probably likes this movie more than anybody on this podcast combined, and I'm including Rick in that. More than but, anybody on this earth, but go on. Or yes, I bet maybe tell you. That's probably why he called out. I'm not reviewing that shit. I'm a fan of this movie. Like I said, this is probably my favorite supernatural film, just right offhand. Can't say it for sure. I'd have to get a list of supernatural films, but this is one of my very favorite ones. And the cast wasn't like too big for me to see only that actor playing their character. You know how you see a Jack Nicholson movie? You don't really see his character anymore. You just see Jack Nicholson saying words. Tom Cruise is the same way. That's true. You know what? Anything after, um, anything after 90 or 89 Batman, it's just Jack Nicholson playing a character. Like, I don't see what, whatever his name was in anger management. I see Jack Nicholson. I cannot even begin to agree with that faulty statement. But name another on. where his character was just the departed, a few good men. Those, I mean, that was, that was just Jack Nicholson in a military uniform. You can't handle the truth. What's that from? James? Okay. <laughs> I love this movie and it gets five I out of five. The or the inkling. To let you sit here and tell me what you're going to do when it's my blood that protects you when you sleep at night. Should have never started. <laughs> I was just going to see how far that was going to go. Damn, James. You can't. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Why do you do your voice like that when you talk about Tom Cruise? Because <laughs> that's how Tom Cruise sounds to me. <laughs> Casey, what say you on 13 Ghosts? First, what say critics? I'll begin oh, with yes. them. Do it. So one massive complaint that people have with this movie is the sound mixing. I will say, I'll admit it as half a flaw, because if you don't have the uh captions turn on for this movie you will miss a fair amount a lot of the ghost stuff is kind of drowned out by the score we've got a lot of sounds going on that aren't necessarily combined in the most flawless way so a lot of people had an issue with that fine whatever so i'll give you a good review and then a bad review please Um, do in addition to the incredible set that serves as the centerpiece of the film, which is without question its most enjoyable quality, there are also some amazingly truthful performances by Shaloub, Lillard, and of course, Abraham. A bad review says, Director Beck discards Dark Castle's signature cheeky verb, saddling the film with a poor script, rife with hilarious exposition, a literally painful sound design, and uniformly bad acting. I cannot begin to tell you how much I hate William Thomas from Empire Magazine. Bill Thomas from Empire, you can go to hell. Yeah, kiss my ass. So, I will now give you my opinions, which... I will kind of just repeat um, that this is a almost perfect movie. Um, but really, I do love this movie. It is a friggin' blast looking at all the ghosts and all the information. And especially if you get in there on the DVD and watch some of the background stuff and learn a little more about the ghosts. This movie is a fun time. The house is pretty cool to look at. Like the set is pretty amazing. And Matthew Lillard's perfect. What can I say? Not much more than that. This film is perfect. James and Casey, you are both perfect. And Aww. guys, and, Rick. You, and man, don't get me started on that little rat soup eating bastard. 
Rick, we missed you. We hope you ate a lot of Easter eggs. We hope they give you the runs. Okay. Well, maybe not. I think he is lactose intolerant. I don't know. I'm not on this PHI form. But what's guys, the egg got to do with lactose intolerance? Well, the chocolate eggs, man. They, you know, uh, I bet he's got gas from eating all them deviled eggs. <laughs> deviled eggs are disgusting. You know what? You're disgusting. Okay, I can live with that. I'll I'll die on that hill. Deviled eggs are the greatest thing ever. They're probably my favorite side come Thanksgiving. Ick. Well, guys, if you are enjoying slashers and screamers. We do appreciate your feedback, so please go to your podcast app or site of choice and give us a review, however good or bad it may be. That's how we get out to more listeners, and, you know, thankfully, that's how we've gotten out to um, so many different locations. We're not just a, a local podcast anymore. We, we have our, our friends who take care of us, but we also have new friends uh, across you know, many nations, as, and I'm talking everywhere from India to Vietnam, and it's overwhelming looking at the growing list of people who continue to tune into the show. We appreciate you very much, and uh, please go rate the show, follow us on social media, and keep an eye out this week for our next film that we're going to review. And hopefully Rick will be back with us. So again, at Slasher Sports on Twitter, at Slasher Sports Media on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So that's going to do it for this episode of Slashers and Screamers for the godfather of Joel James and final girl Casey. And I guess the myth is made back. Rick, I am Billy Graves. And we will catch you in the game.